You're listening to Raising Anchor, a Rhode Island FC podcast. We're glad you're here. Hello and welcome to Raising Anchor, your podcast and source for all things Rhode Island FC. I'm your host, Matt Entrican, coming to you on Thursday, January 18th. We've got what could be considered the biggest signing in club history so far, even if it hasn't been officially announced by the club, plus some additional player signings and rumors of even more defensive reinforcements on the way. How will these signings change our play style and shape? Who knows at this point? but the club has 58 days to figure that out. You can expect that with these moves, RIFC is rewriting the book on how to open as an expansion club. We're also going to give some exclusive updates on the game broadcast strategy from the league and some news on our corporate partners. Back in action is your favorite and my only co-host, Jason Carey. Jason, how is it going? Hanging in there, buddy. You know, just trying to survive that bridge apocalypse. I, I, every day I keep thinking, like, should I buy a boat? You know, spoiler alert, maybe RFC might be at some sort of event. Maybe I can get some sort of a hookup or discount and just beat the traffic. Just, I don't know, even if I got to row across the bay, you know? So I, uh, in my in my Alexa, I have it programmed every morning when I disable my alarm to, to give me kind of the three breaking things I want to hear, what weather, so I know what how to dress, traffic, so I know what's going to happen for the commute. And then third is like the biggest tidbit of news for the day. Hopefully we can plug that in as like an RIFC or raising anchor thing down in the future. But every day now when it wakes me up, it says, alert, you have 26 minutes of expected delays to your normal commute. And it's been doing this now for what, like 45 days. So it's not even like in addition to or not above the normal commute. That is the new commute for work. And my, my team and my partners, they I've, I've been dodging going in, and they keep asking like, "When are you coming back?" And it's like, "Well, when is Washington Bridge going to get fixed?" I don't know that. That's a that's a Rhode Island problem. That's not a map problem. Yeah, every time I check which route I should go home um, on the way from work, and it says heavier than usual traffic. <laughs> At this point, I'm like, oh, "This is just my life now." <laughs> more time to listen to podcasts, though, right? Yeah, more uh, more podcasts, more music. I guess sometimes sometimes I do miss you know, that kind of thing. Just not when I'm in like gridlock, very slow traffic. <laughs> Especially like at the end of the day when you're trying to de-stress, you know, that being in that kind of, it's better to have a long drive that's the continuous flow of motion than to be stop and go. I, I get that. Yeah, definitely. Um, One thing though I have noticed in all the traffic though, I've seen a lot more RAFC car magnets. I wonder maybe you were, uh, was the club give them out or something, I think recently or promotion, <laughs> you know, been why, you know, it's, it's funny you say that because I, we all know that there was that promotion, right. But it is exciting as people start to kind of bring those, those online because while well, you've seen more magnets, I have yet to see the kit out in the wild. I've seen a lot of other merchandise and granted it's the winter. So you're seeing like the hoodies and the beanies, but you go from like seeing Hercules Gomez wearing it on his show to even the usl show podcast guys they're wearing it like people are talking about the kit i haven't seen one out in the wild yet 
And I'm kind of just waiting for that moment where I can go, oh, 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 oh let, let, let's be friends. We, we need to be friends now. So that's that's exciting. But yeah, no, I agree. I've seen a lot more magnets as well. So that's kind of like the badge of honor right now. But just really excited to see more and more people get, you know, tuned in and, and excited about the club. We're getting we're getting closer and closer. What is it? 58 days at this point. So we're almost there. It's just around the corner at this point. Yeah, speaking of things to get excited about too, uh, we do have a media day officially. Uh, it'll be today as listeners listen to this, but for us, that's tomorrow. So um, I know once again you you have schedule conflicts. I I kind of have schedule conflicts as well. So I'll, I'll be over trying to cover for the for the for the club, uh, get some interviews, get some comments and whatnot from the players, the technical staff, and the front office. So. For listeners listening to this, if they catch it in the morning AM, if they want to hop on the Discord, and if there's any questions for a particular player you're looking to have us ask, like feel free to drop that in there. But we'll be able to provide some of that uh, sound, uh, so those sound bites and that content for uh, next week's episode. So really excited! It's our first kind of sneak peek. We'll be able to watch practice, so we're hoping to learn more about the uh, the formation and the strategy and kind of what the playing conditions are so far for the team, how they're gelling. Um, and then, you know, of course, we'll speculate tonight on what we think that formation is. So who knows how accurate we'll get on that speculation for next week. Yeah, it'll be interesting to uh, to know what's going on with the uh, the weather outside. They're going to need, like, uh, ice skates, I think, to play. <laughs> I don't think soccer cleats are going to cut it. So I can tell you that uh, a majority of the training sessions so far have been indoors. If they're not using equipment and doing fitness prep, and checks there they are playing indoors in fact so much so that they're not getting all of the time that they uh need at bryant uh, they're kind of sharing or, or cohabitating that space and there's another off-site indoor facility that they are they're trying to utilize as well in addition to 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 make up the the, the convenience and again like this is something that we knew when they partnered with a college team or a college campus is that it's a shared space so they're uh, they're definitely utilizing as many places and as many locations and facilities as they can to make sure that the the team is brought up to full fi- uh, match fitness and and getting ready for that that first home opener against uh, Mexico United New Mexico United I should say I got to add the new in there otherwise it's an international friendly right <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, so we've got a lot to cover today uh, from news from player signings uh, and a couple of other things a lot of I, what I would call exclusives that I don't think the even the in-depth fan is aware of so this is going to be probably one of those episodes that uh people learn a lot about uh things that are going on within the space so you want to start us with uh, some of the hot fresh off the press news all right buddy let's do it first off we got an official usl soccer ball for 2024 so it's sticking with select um is going to be called the freedom ball it's got some red white blue accents um usl league star appears to be incorporated departure from bronze and black of last year uh i'm digging it what do you think i'm probably gonna pick one up maybe not not the official like 200 dollars one but you know they got like maybe some sort of mid-range replica 40 50 version so it's it's i i guess i don't know enough about soccer ball culture like i know that there's a new ball every year i I, I've never been a collector. Are you someone who like I know people that collect jerseys, I know people that collect like game day books or like posters for home matches and stuff like that. Is collecting soccer balls something that people do? I wouldn't really consider myself one. Um I don't have as many as I used to. Like at one point I want to say I had six or seven different ones. I very much become one of those persons that who like, you know, I especially like a soccer ball, right? I want to use it. 
so I've some of them just kind of worn out, disappeared. I don't know. My brothers have them. <laughs> so yeah, so like my thoughts on the on the process would be probably to like pick up one or two of them. Not I didn't even know it was a two hundred dollar ball. Um, definitely whatever the the commercial like for everyday citizen use ball would be. Um, but maybe like get those and then you know start collecting signatures of the the first year team of players and the technical staff and and maybe collect two versions of that one to keep for ourselves as a memento for the for the inaugural season and then maybe one that we can you know auction off to a charity at some point down the road i don't know just like those are top of the mind thoughts but in terms of the ball itself i love it it looked rad i thought last year's looked rad too so anything freedom sign me up you know that's my american i have to say that by by law as an american citizen right yeah i think it's a requirement so speaking of kind of like some of the things that we were deep diving into and digging into, it was really interesting. We we intended to come to the episode tonight to talk about a new official partner in the space that the club had announced in their LinkedIn profile. But then when we went and did some deeper dives, we realized that the club had updated uh, their partnership web page in the sense of kind of defining more of the tiers. Uh, earlier in the uh, series, we had kind of explained to listeners what a anchor partner was and the separation of that from the other versions of partners and and what that would allude to and like how many there would be in that limited space but i don't know if at the time they had named or defined the other levels um and then going through the website we kind of discovered just by a fluke that there's some additional adjustments to that space so in addition to our anchor partnerships um there is now what the club is labeling as ocean partners and those are the kind of partnerships i would say that are more like direct support of the club or they have uh, direct tie-ins to some of the things on the kits themselves whether that's the trainer or the official kits so it's partners like rhode island energy capelli sport and uh, high bar i didn't see any reason to like try to justify what the partners they have announced if there's someone else that should be in that space um, but it was interesting that they have this like mid-tier that they're calling which separates them from the rest of the official partners but not quite anchor partners as well um, I, i'll be It'll be really fascinating if they do like a third because the rest of the partners are just called like official partners if they find another nautical term. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping they keep up the nautical nonsense. You know what I mean? Maybe like it's got to be something like like bottom dwelling, right? So like a, like a crustacean, like a cohog partner. I don't I don't know. <laughs> um, but in, anyways, I say all that because in that space, that's where this new official partner that had been announced was, which is Beacon Mutual Insurance Company. I thought that we already had that and I went back and realized that the partner for that p space was for like injury related um, and you know like things that could happen at the club. This one seems to be in that same wheelhouse but a, a different at the same time. It's kind of hard to explain. I think I think that's also why insurance companies act and behave that way is the more complex and complicated they can be the more they can charge you outright for things because like you don't know what you need as an insurance coverage right? Yeah well if you you trip at work on a Tuesday and it's a full moon, it's different from tripping on a Tuesday when it's, you know, it's a half moon. Right. And that's also if it was a, like a wet puddle, if it's a body of water that you tripped on, it's different from like a hard surface, right? Yeah. And if Mer if Mercury's in retrograde, <laughs> oh, insurance how, is just crazy. How dare you? How dare you bring <laughs> that up? <laughs> that gives me PTSD. Uh, different time, different life. But anyways, so in that space, uh, Beacon Mutual Insurance Company, like we said, has been announced. They've been a leading provider of workers' compensation insurance in Rhode Island for over 30 years and are committed to not only supporting the club, but also supporting their customers and clients with competitive care and service products. So I'm not going to be a sponsor for them here and, and read the whole 
tagline, but they are the newest partner to join, or so we thought, because that's kind of where this really interesting one comes from. And this is a partnership that I want to get fully behind. Uh, and I'm super excited that you get to announce this. I, I announced the boring insurance one. You get to announce the, the fun one here. All right. And also joining the fray here is Stackhouse. Stackhouse. Founded in 2020, Stackhouse is a black-owned business that aims to deliver exceptional service and southern homestyle cooking to the Northeast region. This place looks delicious. Okay, so the website needs some love. I, yeah, it, it does got that like retro kind of look to it. But the colors are blue and yellow. I don't know if you caught that. So like that yeah. was perfect alignment with us. But the food looks so... I mean, I'm a fatty at heart. Let's get honest. But like the chicken wings, the chicken and waffles, the fried chicken sandwich. I hope I hope they have such a spicy hot chicken sandwich there. That's that's one of the few things that's really hard to find in this this world is something that will like be the, the temperature of the sun in my mouth. And I... I'm really it's excited. It's also delicious. Yeah, and it has to be good, too. It can't just hurt for the sake of hurting. But the only thing I'm not excited about is the location. It's too far for me to go to on a daily adventure. Yeah, it's down in Kingston. But I don't know, man. It looks pretty delicious. I think we should go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, we'll definitely... Um, I'm going to tag them. If they have socials, I'm going to tag them in this post for the launch tomorrow. And then... Hopefully they listen and then let's strike up a chicken wing partnership, you know? Yeah. And they're open seven days a week, 11 to nine. I love that. I hate when uh, you're like, oh, let's go to this place. Oh man, they're closed Mondays? What? <laughs> you know, just weird stuff like that. I didn't, real I, I I didn't realize you were so personally slighted by by that stuff. No, it's, it's one of those things I understand in the restaurant business, but sometimes it's just like you randomly crave something and you want it and they're just always closed. I. It, you won't hear any complaints from me on that. So shifting gears from delicious, tasty food, uh, we have a tasty treat on some kind of what I'm calling breaking ground or breaking news. It's it's not super exciting just yet, but um, you know, Raising Anchor has been going after both the USL and Nesson to understand more and more about the broadcasting partnerships and what those will look like um, because. I think if you ask the average fan of the league right now, they don't really know what the state of the state is on that. They know that the CBS Golazo deal was announced, but that was also limited to 100 games. And it's left the rest of the watch package, if you will, um, at risk because no one's really known what they'll be able to accomplish in, inside of, you know, what does my subscription earn me as a right to watch these games? So the good news is, is that the USL did confirm with me that they are in negotiations, final negotiations with a to-be-announced partner uh, in regards to the other remaining uh, 300 games that the CBS deal is not covering. Um, they should be expecting to announce that platform uh, within the next couple of weeks to get people excited and to get them prepped. But at the same time, one of the concerns I have is that the league did make it abundantly clear you will need both packages to watch all of your club's games. I don't know what to make of that just yet because it'll come down to probably the cost of the packages. We may, you know, if it's ESPN Plus, some people probably already have that with one of those Hulu, ESPN, Disney deals. Maybe it's on, you know, Apple, right? And if you already have Apple TV for other reasons, like it just comes down to we don't know yet enough of if this is something that will be cost prohibitive to the average consumer. Or because they don't like, ha like I don't have Peacock, for example. I, I if I had to suddenly go buy that, and no, no attack here on people that are Peacock subscribers, like going, what are you doing, talking about my 
a peacock. But if that becomes the case, then that's kind of going to be one of those situations where people are going to start having to think strategically with their wallets and their money because like in this cable cutting world, it's already really difficult to manage, you know, five to 10 subscriptions. In fact, I would argue that probably we pay more now in watching media if you consume it at that level than you would have just having have bought, you know, a, an old school cable package at this point. Yeah, we've kind of come full circle on that. It's kind of a mess now. It's unfortunate that's going to require two separate subscriptions. I mean, just maybe partner up with your homie. One of you, you get one, the other get the, the other one. I, just, hey, they're starting to crack down on that. My Netflix account well, no longer works because... Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe you can't share it, but just, I don't know, if you have to go watch the game at his place or something, you know, soccer is always more fun to watch with someone else. And what's even more interesting is, is we've praised the Nesson access with the deal that they're putting together. But what we don't know from that perspective is, is while Nesson games will obviously be available for home matches... The idea that and I think kind of what we agree on is that the fans that would be listening to this, or the fans that would be excited about the Nesson deal are the same ones that nine out of 10 times are going to be showing up to these games to watch them. Like Nesson really only covers the people that are interested in soccer or just interested in a sport product for the day. And that's what's on and they'll watch it. It's not really going to be for the dedicated fan or the diehard that's going to be showing up, especially when we elevate to, you know, 10,000 fans at Tidewater. So Nesson as I understand it so far, it doesn't have anything in the in their plan or their contract to cover the away games. So where that helps for those home games, like I'll be at the game. I don't need Nesson for that. What I need them for is covering the OCSCs, the San Antonios where I can't get to that game and I want access. So Nesson's not really going to help fans in that sense. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think we're still going to have to be looking at this strategically about what package deal do we need to make sure we can watch the away games. Yeah, but the the Nesson deal will help in the sense that like these tickets are sold out in some regards. Um, some people maybe just don't have the money too. You know, you can roll up to your like dive bar down the street, ask them to put on soccer, so that the old people look at you like you're crazy. But they'll have it because it'll be on Nesson, and you can you can watch the game. That was really that was really personal. It was a deep cut from you. Like you experienced that at some point in your oh, yeah, life. No, I've I've we've put <laughs> you've been with me too. We put soccer on the brand people like looking at like, oh, what are these whippersnappers doing here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't disagree. I just I guess I was kind of hoping that in the spirit of looking at this fragmentation of the multiple subscriptions you would need to watch the games, that Nesson could come through and deliver like a knockout punch and, and say, Hey, you don't need that. You can just have the Nesson deal. But unless Nesson comes out and, and we'll find out more. The the club is actively working through the the you know final requirements of what this package looks like. Um, you know, I, I don't I'm not hopeful that it will cover away games, but if it does, then I would rather give Nesson my money and not have to deal with all that. Again, unless this uh unannounced partner I already have a subscription for and it's not gonna cost me any more to watch the game. So it's kind of just a catch-22 at the moment. Like, we will have full saturation and coverage, but it may come at the cost of multiple subscriptions or not. We just, we don't know yet, but that's where the that's where the league is going at the moment. And I hope that in the future they consolidate it just down to one subscription package because that's, th- this is not sustainable to have it on two different, I, I get the exposure that the national channels offer with CBS and I especially get it for like the finals and the playoffs, but like, it's it's not, 
this isn't sustainable. Like it needs to be consolidated. I hope so. But in the decade plus I've been following soccer, it just every other year it changes. Oh, this year I need this one. Okay, now it's on this one. Now they split it between four of them. What? Do you think the World Cup will ratify that into one? Like someone will be like, hey, this is the time to get all soccer under one umbrella. Like, do you think the likes of Apple will be like, we just got to eat it all up and then we become the de facto, you know, we're the captains now of soccer? I think it'll depend. Um, it, it depends on the person too. Me being a fan who likes to follow a lot of different leagues and watch as much soccer as I can, it's incredibly more, you know, costs like concerning because I have to subscribe to multiple things. The hope would be though that it's like, hey, I just want to follow the USL because that's where RAFC play. You would hope that you could just have one subscription there. So you know, as we're growing, maybe that will be something we can look forward to in the future. But this next season looks like maybe might be a little bit of a mess for us. Uh, so we got a signing here we're going to talk about. Uh, Noah Fusan. Um, I've heard it pronounced two different ways. Sorry, Noah, if I, I botched that. Has it been pronounced fusion yet? <laughs> the, uh, the kid in me who grew up watching Dragon Ball Z, every time I see it, I immediately just want to say fusion, but... I I hope he hears this, and if he hasn't already incorporated it into his playstyle, I hope he does like the. I think it's Joseph Martinez with when he was with Atlanta started it. Uh, I hope he does the fusion dance whenever he scores a goal, when it comes off of an assist, or when he assists someone. <laughs> who, I, just, I just hope they do the fusion dance. So, question: Who would be his fusion partner? <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to get into like the anime tactic version of that, but I will say that. It's just whoever he scores it with, right? He runs up. Oh, okay, yeah. So he has to teach every other player. Okay, so everyone on the team needs to learn this. Yeah. And so whoever the assist is from, oh, imagine like And for Coke listeners Vegas. that don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> just go Google. It's safe. Don't worry. We promise. Google Fusion Dance. You'll understand it. And yes, if Coke Vegas scores a, like, you know, from his goal screamer and catches the other goalkeeper asleep, Yes, he has to run up there and do the fusion dance. No, I, I just meant, Noah you know, Fusen. like he, he pulls like an Ederson or Allison, you know, the new kind of crazy long passing keeper yeah. kind of oh, yeah. assist kind of deal. 100%. 100%. Anyways, let's get back to the important part. <laughs> so he's coming that off. Was, that was the important part. How dare you? It's the most important part. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, back to the stats and whatnot. So, uh. He's coming off from back-to-back 10-goal seasons in the in 22 and 23 with Columbus Crew 2. as uh, the second player we've picked up from them. Um, in addition to his goal-scoring ability, he's got 9 assists and 66 key passes over his 57 games, uh, 49 starts. He was a consistent starter on a uh, Crew 2 side that went deep into the uh, MLS Next Pro Championship. Uh, prior to his time with the Crew 2, he played for Ford Madison in USL League 1, scoring three goals over 33 appearances. You know, I, I didn't check his height. and He's the only player I haven't checked the height on. I think he's a tall boy, um, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, and the other thing to it with the Crew 2, since this is the second player now after Clay, I'm wondering if there's any direct connection to Mike Parkhurst in these signings. You know, it was really fascinating when talking to Mike, and if you've listened to some of his older interviews, he was a bit disgruntled. He's in Columbus now, right? But he was a bit disgruntled with the trade process that ended, that landed him in Atlanta. It was coming right off the season where he had gone to the MLS Cup. They had, they had lost at that one. 
Um, and so I don't, I don't, I imagine there's no bad blood, right? Like Michael Parker is not someone that is going to think ill of anybody in this world. Now he may have, you know, upset some people by his amazing play style and created rivalry enemies for life, you know, that, but that's, that's on the pitch. I can't imagine that there's any bad blood between him and the crew at this point. So I'm kind of curious if he's helping getting these signings across the line, or if this is just all Kano and the technical staff getting these, these signings done. Um, I also saw something interesting on Transfer Market. It lists their, there was it, their agent. And a lot of the players we've signed have shared the same agent. So it could be that too. Um, I also just looked at it real quick and he's 6'3". So he's he's a fairly we tall dude. Ha- we have the tallest team, I think, in the USL right now. That's that's insane. Look, I, I love it. I watched all of the videos. He has speed. He's comfortable as a center forward or as a wing player. Um, left or right, by the way. So there's some utility there. I don't want to jump into like where I think he'll slot in yet because I think we can save that conversation for later in the episode when we talk about formation. But what I what I thought when he came in was that he was depth. And then when I looked at his contribution, his attack threat, he may be younger than the likes of someone like Prince, but he could be very much uh, you know, someone who will be slotting into one of those roles. Now that changes with our next announcement here in a second, but Having said that, like, I, I don't yet know what this, per- like, there's a lot of the players we could kind of already say, like, they're established in one one position or in a, in a secured starting role. With all of this that's happened over the last, you know, five days, I, I don't know any of that anymore. So I don't want to, I don't want to jump to that just yet, because I think it's important we talk about the other player signing. But I, I, I'm just super impressed that we picked up someone of this caliber. I, it, it's insane. Yeah, likewise. Um, Yeah, like you said, too, I, I've thought i had an idea of what we what we were doing um but with the recent signings uh, just it's throwing a wrench into it and i just <laughs> rethinking all of my initial thoughts on on how we would line up i i agree 100 percent. so um let's jump into it so now again it's really weird that we have to say it this way the club has not come out and announced this at all so Everything is being reported from, I think the the breaking news was a, the technical director of Indy 11 told some random person at an airport that Albert Dequa, the player of the year, the golden boot winner, has left Pittsburgh Riverhounds, which we do know that. It was announced uh, 24 hours ago, 48 hours ago, that he was leaving the organization and that he is signing now with Rhode Island FC. It's been confirmed by Tom Bogert, which to get USL in Tom's Twitter feed is huge. Like I, I actually went back and looked. I couldn't find a recent USL uh, listing. He's, he's, I mean, he's an MLS insider. The fact that he announced that just tells you kind of the caliber of this signing and the, and the magnitude of it. But it's been confirmed by him. Uh, and it's been, you know, confirmed by other people in, in podcasts across the league that this is definitely a sign that's taking place. Providence Journal even reported today, too. So I think they got their hands on an early version of the script release for that because the club has, uh, they have a countdown timer right now running on their social media posts about uh, a a huge announcement, uh, which will be releasing in tandem almost with this podcast going out. And underneath it is a gold ribbon and a boot. And I mean, you know, like at this point, I don't, I think it's probably a really poorly kept secret but officially he has not been announced yet so we 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 have to treat this as like a 9.9 star rumor in all i don't know episodes. about this one i hope it happens <laughs> <laughs> but we do we do need to unpack this because first and foremost his 
Albert Dequa, which by the way, he goes by Chico. He does he doesn't he doesn't use Albert or Dequa. He he likes Chico. So for listeners, you know, that's that's something you need to just kind of earmark and remember for the future. But he has just been on a tear in the USL. He's coming off of first of all, he scored thirty six goals in USL championship play. Um, he's coming off of a career high, scoring 20 goals in 28 appearances. It, it, it's not a huge record, it, I mean, in the sense that other people haven't done it. He's the 13th player in USL Championship history to record a 20-goal season. But what's crazy is not only did he claim the Golden Boot, but like we said, he also claimed the USL Player of the Year. What is fascinating to me, though, is when you look at him, he has just been doing nothing but improving on his play year over year. So... He got his earliest starts with St. Louis FC back when they were in the USL Championship and making strong, deep runs into uh, playoff cup contention. Um, and from there, he went to Orlando City B, which is my guess on how he got some exposure with Coach Cano. Coach was, at the time, working there with um, the Orlando City uh, subsidy, subsidiary teams. Um, so that's kind of maybe probably the earliest access point that, that, that Cano saw in him. Um, and then from there, he went on to Pittsburgh Riverhounds, where in his first season, he he only scored three goals. I think he came in mid-table and then had an injury. Uh, and then the next year, he scored uh, 11 goals in all cup competitions and now up to 20, um, minus, you know, like some other kind of goals that were scored in uh, other in other competitions within the league. So what this tells me is a couple of things. One is for the club itself, this is probably the biggest signing. I... I think that when you look at Koke and Doyle, which were probably the two biggest before that, while they have international appeal, and and to be clear, um, Chico is also an international player. He's from Cameroon. Um, he's there right now. So, uh, and we'll talk about when he'll and uh, when we can anticipate him joining the club. Um, but I, I really think this elevates. This is probably the biggest signing, the splashiest signing that we've had. Um, and what this does immediately for us, regardless of the formation piece, is this this takes the club into a position that they've said from the beginning they want to be an exciting sport sporting team. Check. They've done that now. They want to compete. They never really defined what they wanted to compete for, but I think they've just drawn the line in the sand. This is now not just a team that, like Mike Parkhurst had said, we want to make sure we enter the playoffs in some sort of form of competition. This is a high placement on the table to secure like a home berth for the playoffs. And this is a team that now believes that they are going to probably go all the way and, and make it into the, the USL cup final. Yeah. I think with the signings we have now, you add Albert Dequa on top of that and the expectations are going to be high. Yeah. We, we have for whether you love it or hate it. And I don't know anyone that would hate this yet. We have now put a target on our back. Like we have redefined what starting a club from scratch means. We've gone out and secured so so many offensive weapons that the the firepower on this team and and we've been telling you from the beginning this this team is going to be an exciting product they are going to score goals they are going to get some really lively action on the pitch but then in addition to that the other things too is like this is a multi-year deal now we haven't really talked about multi-year deals yet because usl doesn't really share contracts like per the cba and in addition, a lot of clubs don't like to kind of tell uh, or show their hand that some players may be out the door at the end because they may be working through player negotiations at the end. So it's pretty often we don't know the total tenure or time that a player will have. But we do know with, with Chico that this will be a multi-year deal. Now, that doesn't mean it's two. That doesn't mean it's three. That doesn't mean it's five. 
but like I think of this strategically that you've now built a a team around an individual that if they continues to improve or if this is you know if he's peaking right now and we get another 20 goal season we don't get a 26 goal season like I'm at like it's not a bad thing to have someone who's going to give you 20 dedicated goals to your year and on top of that if this is someone that like I can't understand why Chico's not entering MLS at this point because when you're putting up those kinds of consistent numbers even being an alternate or a backup you know striker to a veteran or a DP player that's been signed like I could see this going as we cement a two to three year run of of championship play where we make it to the finals or Dequa ends up killing it this year and then we sell him in you know this year or next year to an MLS club and make enough money to fund buying the next you know four versions of him um, at a a more junior level it's just it's insane how much this is going to impact the club and and we can't even really we can't even give it enough justice yet because there's so much more that goes into the signing than just him showing up on paper yeah it is crazy uh multi-year deal um like you said maybe too if he lights it up maybe we look at flipping him and making tons of money you know put back into the club that's always good there's a lot of other good players on this team but yeah like looking at some of his stats here this is uh he looks like he's a nail on starter so like we had alluded to like this is kind of like i don't know how we're gonna line up so let's before we get into that i want to say a couple more things that i think are really important that we showcase on him one is not only is he a proven goal scorer but he has he has scored in those big moments so he was actually the goal that knocked columbus crew out of the open cup so he knows how to show up in those big games two i think that this is important is is that we signed him from the number one club in 2023 but they're also our eastern rivals well not rivals i should say but they're an eastern club competition that was a threat to our table standing so we've robbed them to make ourselves richer. That to me is really, really insane. And like I, I would be if I was Pittsburgh, I would I, not that I can control that, but like I would be saying, "Hey, go to you know, go to the Las Vegas Lights, go to you know Monterey Bay, like go somewhere West Coast where you're not going to hurt our standings." But instead, he's coming to a team that could be a direct threat to to Pittsburgh's you know spot in the standings. Like this could come down to end of the season final game and it's a it's a competition between like spots four and five on who gets a home berth and pittsburgh is on the outside looking in like i that that's the kind of stuff i live for um and then also too though and this is the only negative i'm gonna say i love trying to go in and look at patterns on player performances like when they're defenders how did they show up in yellow card accumulations when did they get those yellow cards did they how did they play against stronger teams versus weaker teams and what i did notice with with Chico is a lot of his goals were padded against what I would say were probably the lesser teams in the, in the tables when it came to the game, the games against opponents that were in the top seeds of both conferences, he was not as big of a goal production threat as he was against the, you know, the mid tables and the bottom tables. Like I think he dunked on Hartford athletic, like five goals in, in one season. Um, And that's again, great for his numbers, but I would like to also see him score goals against the San Antonio FCs and stuff. And and, and that was one thing that was missing. So I'm not saying anything bad. I, I, I don't want that to be the, the takeaway here. Um, but that will be something I will be watching in his first year is how does he show up big against those top of the top of the league uh, contenders? You did say he scored, though, against Columbus Crew, right? 
so yeah, and and so, in that game, he showed up in so a big he, moment. He showed that he can do it. So maybe that's just something Coach Cano's got to work with him, him and his staff, and to to really bring him to that next level where he has no fear against them. Or, or you know, I don't know what specifically is in his game. Maybe. So that... I, I think I think what it is is that the the teams that effectively neutralized him had to do something else whether it was double coverage it was like dedicated man marking from a a cdm it was it was some sort of style of play that didn't let chico be chico because he's very much not he's like a he's like this poacher that just knows where to be and then knows how to convert a goal scoring opportunity i think that in those moments the better assembled teams with a better strategy a better plan they knew how to contain him and but that but that didn't guarantee them a win. Like there were many games where just because Chico didn't didn't score for the Riverhounds, they still won the game. So that meant that you're dedicating two coverage, and then suddenly it's a winger on the other side. You know, Lily is is not a coach to be trifled with. He he figured out ways to to score or to use the team's assets, and and maybe Chico was a decoy in those senses. So I do agree with you. I just on the spreadsheet and without having watched all the games. It was interesting to see that he would sometimes show up flat on um, on on paper against those lineups. Like you said, um, maybe maybe they just doubled up on him. Um, that can be a tactic, but you, some of those games they still won anyway. So at that point, if he's such a if he's such an offensive threat that he is pulling away multiple defenders, that you know gives everyone else on the team a chance. His conversion rate is ninety seven percent. And he only had like two penalties last year. So for an XG of almost 80% and your conversion rate of 97, when he's getting the ball, he's he's putting it down. So I, I'm super excited. I I cannot wait to see how this works. We are going to, if anything, we're going to be watching some of the best soccer in New England. And I'll go further. There was a bet I saw on Discord between some people, which club will now win a, um, a cup title in first between... Rhode Island FC and New England Revolution. Hartford wasn't even mentioned in it, by the way. Yeah, it's not New England. <laughs> but uh, there's there's some serious doubts and concerns that it won't, you know, that that it won't not be RFC. Like people believe that Rhode Island FC is going to be the first club to ever deliver a trophy in New England now, and I I'm there for it. Like I can't wait to see what what can happen from here. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to bend against that. <laughs> Um, so, and then, you know, in, in terms of our attacking firepower, if you remember from one of the previous episodes, we had mentioned that there was probably a little bit of remaining pieces to figure out in terms of the depth, what depth I use in in quotations right now, because we have to talk about that, but we did notice that there was probably some positions of need in the center forward striker and wing positions. I think with Noah and now Albert signing, I think we have enough coordinated offensive threat that whatever that interchangeability will be. I think we can say that, you know, minus any injuries that could happen for the season, we have the right talent moving forward in both the forward phase of the game and in the midfield at this point. I think we're stacked there. However, we did also mention, though, that we thought that there was still some depth that was needed uh, for the center back and potentially fullback positions because we were a little light in those compartments. Some of the players that we've picked up recently, like Clay uh, Holstead, has played in numerous roles, but it looks like the club's identifying him as more of a right midfielder, which is a position he seems comfortable to play more so than center back. So we've we've definitely seen an opportunity to secure some more. What we can say is, is that there are center backs on the way. We've heard rumors from inside the club that they are targeting two center backs as we speak. There is potential that these are MLS-esque players. 
Now, what that means is anyone's guess at this point, as nothing has been officially announced or revealed to us as a podcast. We do know that MLS-esque can mean anything from they played, you know, five minutes in the MLS senior squads, and then we're playing a majority of their games in, you know, their their respective twos, um, or they've only ever played in MLS Next Pro. So we don't know yet what that means. I think I think we already have a, a really good understanding of our center back lines. So I would imagine these are depth pieces. So I would be more willing to accept that these are probably MLS Next Pro players, much like what we've signed with Clay and Noah and others. So, uh, but it it sounds like from there, once we have these acquisitions, I think we're mostly a complete team at that point. Does that does that sound right to you? Is that you think there's any other position of need, you know, minus these two center backs that could be coming in? Do we have two for the right back that we can? So we don't have a second dedicated right back. I can I can say that Clay can alternate between that if need be. Uh, again, more as that utility piece, but we don't have a through and through right wing back. But then also, too, when you look at the best talent on the field in terms of veterancy at a professional level, you have to remember Steven Turnbull is our technically most experienced player, having played, having been one of the only players who's played a significant portion of time in MLS. So I imagine that like he's not really going to be someone that gets subbed out. And if so, I, maybe a center back can just partner over or we move to like some sort of three back variation line. Yeah, I mean... if. If you have good fullbacks who conserve their energy and stuff, you don't rotate them a lot. But when it comes to like open cup games, you know, you sometimes you like to give those backups a chance. And then it's always, you know, maybe you're up 3-0 and hey, maybe he's ran a lot today. Sub him out, give him 10 minutes rest, give the other guy a chance, you know? Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I think I think you are right that if there is any more additional signings that we'll be looking to bring on, it'll be a, a right back. And then at that point, we really are mostly complete. Having said that, I, I still think that with these signings and then one or two more defensive reinforcements, I really think we're in the best position to to kind of stabilize and say, like, this is the team for all all intent and and purpose that we'll be delivering or, or, or seeing play in 2024. So I I am really excited. I think that now that we have these final pieces in position, I can I can go to sleep easier knowing that we have a competitive product <laughs> built. I don't know what that looks like just yet, but I, I think that with this team, I, I think we're in a good space. I think we're in the best place we could possibly be. And like I said at the beginning, we've really rewritten the book as expansion clubs go because everyone is talking about it online, about like, how is Rhode Island FC making these things happen? How are they combining and, and bringing these types of players in on a first-year basis? It It's just it's really great to see. It's a great problem to have with this much talent. And it's something I can't wait to see get unpacked. I like the idea of you uh, losing sleep because <laughs> you're worried about the roster. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe not sleep, but you know, uh, but let's talk about the roster. So what are we, what are we doing? Everyone all day has been talking about how exciting it is to have Chico join the team. And I was the only one on Twitter that said, does anyone want to tell me what we think this will be? There's been some speculation that J.J. Williams may suddenly convert to depth. I don't see that happening. I'd be curious, too. I don't know if we announced him as a number nine. I think we did in the press the press release. I think he was announced as the number nine. So what number does Chico wear then? Like, is that... There, there's just so many questions to unpack. But I, I think formation-wise, let's, let's address the elephant in the room. Where the hell did they put Chico in this lineup? Uh, I mean, he starts. He's up top. <laughs> um, what... 
what I now am starting to think, though, is that the possibility that we play with two up top. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, a formation is just, you know, it, it doesn't mean as much as it used to. Um, I wonder if, not that Coach is going to all of a sudden start playing like a three-back line, but like maybe in possession we look at something like a 3-5-2. I don't know. You know, maybe he's going straight up old school. He's going to bring back the 4-4-2. I, I, I don't remember for sure, but I do remember that the coach said, you know, he's not playing for a formation. He's playing for the talent that he'll have and he'll make some sort of combination work. I also want to say we, when we were off mic, uh, we had turned off the recorders. We had started talking players. And I don't know if you remember this, but we looked him dead in the eye. And we said, we think we have some some signings that we know you're going after. And we said, Koke. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. We did say Albert Dequa. And he said, who wouldn't want that guy? <laughs> and so I just now have realized there's like a moment in time that Coach uh, continues to have one of the best poker faces. So anyone ever interested in like playing a charity poker match against Coach Kano, don't do it. He, he will rob <laughs> you blind with, with any poker monies you have. Maybe we'll have to ask him uh, next time we get a chance to, like, if, you know, when he says anyone would, would want him, I wonder if that was something they were actually looking at or if it was just like, a, hey, he's free, let's do it. <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think back to your statement, I don't, I don't think we'll go 4 4 2. I, I think that, I think for the possession style, like you said, that we want to play, I don't think that gives him enough creative conduits to move the ball effectively into the final third i do think with the speed we have on the wings and the the amount of wingers that were brought in it would be a crime to not utilize them in some capacity so unless it's some sort of version of you know again i think three five two might be the real number here now and or maybe even like a three five one one where one of them is a false nine between between williams and and chico i i don't know we've seen nothing but their aerial game and their ability to like shoot at goal. I haven't seen dribble play. I haven't seen their distribution. JJ is bigger than, than Chico, I think. And so I could see him maybe setting up as like that false nine, creating like a hold up play. He heads it down to him. He controls it and then maybe plays, plays him back in. Cause I mean, you look at his passing stats too. It's not too bad. But I don't right. But I don't think he gets a lot of balls that he would have to be passing back through. Yeah, but and then you look at like looking at Turnbull the way he plays. Like Bro's basically a winger, you know. He's or like a wing back. Like he's not he's not going to be back there. So you think that he's going to be pushing up the flank. You still have your two center backs. Um, you know, w- w- we think that Jojea might play like a wing back too, but we're not even sure he could actually be a left midfielder. If maybe I don't remember was Gabriel Alves, Alves was like, like a more th- like traditional left back. Yeah, so then maybe he could almost slot into the the side with like a th- create a three. But we have three center backs that. Well, no, we have two right now. Yeah, with we have more two. on the way. If you're gonna play a three with actual center backs, you need like at least five center backs. So at that point, you're more likely to well, we, we have that to Clay have Holstead a fullback can be a center back. Like he has the utility of that as well. Well, yeah, you can you can have those type of midfielders drop, but then what you no no, have... no 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 I mean like he's played whole he he has played most oh, yeah. of his career or at least half of it as a CB in his professional time. 
Yeah, he's more recently been center mid, though, I think, right? So, I don't I mean, think he so. Ha- he has that experience. I think if I was to pull up transfer market data, I think he spent the majority of last year with the crew in, in a CB role, to be honest. Okay. Maybe maybe I was I got that backwards. I, I could be wrong too, but like I know a majority of the games he did play last year were in a center back position. Whether that was because of an injury and they they needed him to fill that role of need, or they found that that was a true calling, I I, I do know that he spent a majority of his time as a center back. So if we think that he is, do do you think that he is more of a starter? I and that's the thing. I don't know. I, if, I I don't know anything anymore. This roster no longer makes any sense. Yeah, there's it. There's like a few players like Koke's nailed on, you know, Chico's nailed on, Turnbull's nailed Turnbull's on. Turnbull's nailed on. Outside of that, I'm not 100% I think sure. Doyle, about everyone I don't else. think you bring Doyle from Ireland oh, he, and spend the international money yeah, and not have him start. Nail Doyle on as well, too. But that still leaves you like, so here's, you know, holes here's what I would where do. You need to, to set up. Here's what I would do I like your 352 or 3511. And if it's a 3511, I think you do. I don't know who the third center back would be yet, but it's Nodarse and Stoneman. We'll place hold the other one. On the wing back side, you have Turnbull and you have um you have Jojea. Yeah. And then in the internal side, you have Doyle kind of playing more up in like a forward slot uh of the midline. And then you have Connor McGlynn on the forward side on the other one. Mark Ibarra anchors the center as a, as a center defensive midfielder. J.J. Williams up front and then um, Chico in front of him. I think that's I think that's the numbers. And so like right now, if I had to plug a CB in that third, it would be Clay Holstead as the third. And then as soon as your wings get tired, like as soon as you see Jojea get burnt out or Turnbull get burnt out, you move Clay over to right back because we don't have depth, you bring in Alves, so your defensive spine is intact, and then you can start swapping Doyle for um, Noah, because he can play on both sides, even though I think he prefers the right wing, but we also have Prince, and then you pull one of the center forwards out, and you put Prince in, and then you're still, you're now spreading the ball wider, so you've been so compact the entire time, you start spreading it wider, and then you use whichever center forward is still remaining on the pitch, and just see what else you can poke at. That's what makes the most sense to me right now. I, I just I love that this is an exercise where we have to find the best player possible, and we have so many options to choose from. Because I I can tell you I've watched teams over my lifetime where it's like, this is the best we have. This is all we have. Like everyone knows the lineup. I teams can predict how to play against you every week because this is all you have on your squad. And this is like just think about the versatility. Like if if Kano thinks that there's Someone's figured him out. He just goes, okay, cool. Yep, this week it's it's Doyle, Sadie, and Fusan. I'm not even bringing Chico or J.J. Williams on. Like, they're on the bench. Like, what an incredible opportunity to just destabilize opponents. Yeah, I think it's harder for us, too, in this moment because we don't have any past data to rely on. We, we can see them playing with all their separate teams in the past, but as a, a unit together, we don't have any any data to look at and say, well, this guy's the best at this position and so on and so forth and say when we bring these pieces and maybe we swap them out. So we're, you know, we're just here guessing while uh, I bet Kano's just laughing. Saying, nope, that's not right. <laughs> nope, not right. J.J. Williams center back. There we go. <laughs> They'll never see it coming. Uh, what, what? So I know you started with the formation and then I kind of jumped off with where I thought players would assign. 
Does that sound right to you, or is there, or do you have a completely different radical approach to that? No, I think now with um, bringing in Albert Dequa, Chico, you know, um, I think we're going to play with two strikers most likely. Um, and some version of that is probably, you know, what we will do. You know, w- when you're actually in possession, you're attacking, maybe that's where it looks like, you know, a 3 5 2 version. But when we actually defend, maybe, you know, you pull back into some sort of 4 4 2 or something. It, it's a very common way to uh, to defend two blocks. Well, remember too, Koke is going to play a high line, and he will supplement as that. Um, the, you know, it's funny. I just was reading about this position in um, it was like an old eighties defensive role, where it was like a sweeper for the center back line. It wasn't the goalkeeper though, and like their job was to let the center backs do everything, and then whatever spilled through them they would come and collect and then they would just take the ball up the field and get it to the midpoint. So it was like an inverted CDM. It, it, the role went away as the game evolved. But but Koke is going to play up and then he will, almost when we have the possession in their final third, he will inject himself almost more as like a, a high line center back. So to your point, like how does in formation or in, in the natural style of play, how does our defensive line shape and change it, we may be in a two back line and Koke is the third center. I mean, you laugh, but like I, if you watch San Diego loyal play, I've never seen a keeper play as high up the line as, as Koke Vegas. Yeah. And I don't have a huge sample size, maybe seen around 10 USL games. Um, and from what I've seen, a lot of teams are very attacking minded. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're just throwing the kitchen sink at everybody half the time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, either way, I think just to reinforce what Mike Parker said a couple of weeks ago, this is going to be exciting soccer. It is going to be crazy. It may it may backfire on us at times, or it may just help us dominate where we have a perfect run, and we're the new invincibles. I don't know, but what I can say is I'm I'm just excited that it'll be here. So the best part of this is I should be able to find out tomorrow by watching some of the training that I'll see some sort of shape and I'll try to report back what I see in, in social media and then of course break it down on next week's episode but uh, more to come really exciting and this is just the the tipping point or the starting point of what's going to be a really exciting year yeah looking forward to it definitely so speaking of the time ahead and the games to come uh, I did we did want to cover the preseason match schedule really quick because while it's already been announced, uh, there's a couple of things that if you're not really reading between the lines, it's something that we want to make sure we get to discuss. So with the 2023 preseason schedule, it it, lin- it lines out as the following. So we have two to be determined a to be determined game, I should say, against a to be determined opponent at a to be determined location. You can't watch it; you don't know where it is. Nobody knows. Uh, and then February 7th, we've got Orlando City Soccer Club in in florida at the img academy that'll kickstart our florida training sessions followed by another to be determined uh date with another to be determined uh club at the img academy and then we'll be capsuling that with a february 13th competition against the new england revolution two uh and then that's when the club will go to bermuda between uh february 24th and february 27th expect that there'll be two games at those two respective dates uh in bermuda and then they'll be coming back home for two more to-be-determined dates. But again, it'll be another matchup against the New England Revolution 2. So two times with the Revs 2, which will now be um, coached by the, the controversial decision of putting Richie Williams 
in position of running the Revolution 2. So people have already said that this will be the avenging coach Kano for his friend Shalri to displace uh, the Revolution 2, at least on the pitch. Uh, so if you subscribe to that kind of nonsense and madness. So those will be interesting matches. Uh, and then it will round off with a game against Providence College at a to-be-determined date, at a to-be-determined location. We'll unpack that here in a second, um, and that'll be a closed door as well. So, Yeah, and what's really interesting is, is you know, looking at those dates, when you think about um, what will be happening with Chico and when he'll join in terms of the, the dates uh, for those preseason scheduled games, you know, it's most likely that we won't see him for a couple of weeks uh, due to, you know, visa requirements. He, he right now, uh, if you look on the social posts, he's in Cameroon. So he, you know, to come back in and to get him set up for the team, it, it's most likely not going to be something similar to if it was a, a domestic player who we'd just be, you know, getting here as fast as possible. So I wouldn't expect seeing Chico come online until pretty close to the end of the Florida sessions or even into the Bermuda preseason elements. So just something to keep in mind as you're looking for when he'll join the, the squad. Every game will be closed door. Uh, I know that there's been some hopefuls when they saw like the New England Revolution 2 listing uh, with no location listed or the Providence College, like would, would the game be at PC? All of these games will be at a, a an unofficial, unmarked, closed door facility somewhere, uh, which will not have access to, to fans. So for those of you hoping to see it, it's just not going to happen. As for the TBD matches on the schedule, we did reach out to the club and we asked them, you know, what was the intent behind that? Were these sensitive games? Was it like a Hartford Athletic? Was it a New England Revolution 1? They said that, you know, they they weren't going to discuss that and that it was their choice to even share the the preseason matchups, which is true. Like they don't have to release that to the fans. So take that for what it is. I will say, and this is coming strictly from speculation here. But if they're at IMG Academy, and we know that the New England Revolution are also down there, I wouldn't be surprised based on the many connections that this club has in partnership with the Revolution, if that TBD is actually the New England Revs. And, you know, obviously they don't want any bad score that could go out to to hurt the publicity or like the fight for soccer in New England. So my guess is that that might likely be a New England Revolution match. Now, the club has not confirmed that. I want to make sure I go on the record and say that this is just speculation. But I would not be surprised about that, especially considering we're already down there. And I haven't been able to find any other USL equivalents that are playing in the area. So unless it's Tampa Bay or Miami, I, it just it makes sense that that could possibly be um, that. Or it could be Inter-Miami. And if it's Inter-Miami and we don't... Oh, actually, no. I take that back. It can't be Inter-Miami because they're traveling around the world doing the messy show right now. Did you see that thing where the absurd amount of miles they have to travel for all those games they have to play? Yeah, I I yeah, you got to you got to milk the messy while you can. Um so that's just my speculation and as for the very first game, it's going to be here locally before we get down to IMG. I uh, it could people are saying it's hard for it. Like I don't know that for sure. I don't know anything at all about that. That could just be, you know, Boston College, that could be the Cumberland, the Cumberland, you know, men's high school team. Like we just, we just don't know. So I will probably won't find those things out, but I wanted to make sure that people knew that they weren't going to be able to find a way to watch these games. The club will be very intent on keeping those secured behind closed doors. I like the idea of like the team not knowing either. They're just all on a bus with like black hoods. on. <laughs> just show up and push them out into a field. 
the like, team knows they're just not going to share it with us. Maybe maybe we can start working some of our relationships with the players we've been building and be like, hey, so who would you play today? So how was that game against the Reds yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> how many goals did you score? <laughs> so, yeah. So, But what, the other thing that I want to make sure that we talk about is we've kind of hinted at the Bermuda series as an opportunity for um, for people to watch the game. And so we've, we've kind of learned a little bit more about that and the what we can expect. So one, if you noticed on the preseason match schedule, it was very specific on how they wrote uh, the opponents. So they wrote them as Bermuda Select Team. If you had read the press release uh, that the club had dropped a couple of, I think it was a month and a half ago on the Bermuda announcement, they had alluded to that it would potentially be the Bermuda national team that was the opponent for the club. I went back and read the press release and it was very carefully worded that it didn't say that outright. It was just insinuated or hinted at that they're playing at the field or the the, the soccer grounds that is where the, the Bermuda national team plays. But the Bermuda Federation, Federation did not come out right and say that that would be the team that they'd expect to play. So it's interesting to me that they've only listed it as the select team. That doesn't mean that it won't be the national team or some sort of, you know, commingled version of their youth team, their senior team, and and something else, or like a Bermuda All Stars group. Um, but that also could be that we're going to expect to see maybe the Bermuda Premier Division play instead. So maybe like the likes of coaches' old team, the Dandy Town Hornets. Um, so we don't really know that, but what we do know is that if the games are going to be available. It's going to be through broadcast from the Bermuda Federation. Um, the club has come out and said that they're not putting up any kind of broadcast support for the games. And the reason that they're not listing them as closed doors that they themselves don't know yet if the country intends to open them up uh, and sell tickets for fans uh, and residents of Bermuda to go and watch the games. You have to imagine, as exciting as this is for us, it's not very often that Bermuda sees international teams or official club teams come in to play against them. So I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to, you know, sell tickets, make some make some profit off of this venture and open that up for the fans. If they do that, then they're also probably going to have to use local broadcasting support to, to record the games. If they do that, that means that there may be a stream available via the Bermuda Federation off of the, their website or something else. So if the games are televised, that's how we're going to see them. Uh, we'll find out more in the in the weeks to come as they announce uh, what that intention is. But I'm not holding my breath at this point. I, if it happens, I'll be really excited to watch some of those early games and kind of get a sneak peek. Um, but that's kind of what it is right now. Yeah, if it happens, that'd be awesome. If not, you know, it kind of is what it is. We, we see all these closed doors. So... This means we're going to have to wait a little while longer till we get to see them. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, listen, waiting is the hardest part, but it's also the most exciting. Like, I I, I think I'm almost, I don't want to know. I do want to know, but I almost don't want to know at the same time. Yeah, as one of those crazy fans, too, who has watched way too many preseason games, honestly, they're usually just straight up garbage. <laughs> like, too many of the, that, like, no one wants to get hurt, right? So they're either just like, oh, look, it's a goal fest because no one's actually defending. No one wants to commit to a tackle and hurt themselves or they're just, you know, doing dumb back heel passes and just, you know, it, it, it can be fun, but there there's no tension to them usually. It's just to like, hey, let's get out there, get into the, the kind of rhythm of things and like, okay, that's where he's making those runs, so I should be playing the ball over there. 
get get to know your team kind of kind of exercise i really enjoy that there's always that breakout star of every team's preseason like oh man you know Ga- gabriel alves just had a tear and it's because you know like you said there's those conditions or or it was or it was just something that you know it was incredible and then i'm not saying this of alves i just chose a name but then like then the player shows up to regular season and like it doesn't it doesn't convert into the regular minutes right you don't see that same performance every club every season has this like breakout event or this person that elevates during preseason and then just like it's a it's a game of numbers right like the average returns to the mean and and it's like okay like this is what we can predict yeah because that guy's like i really need to impress coach so he's trying like really hard everyone else is like i'm already nailed on to the starting lineup (laughs) and they don't care they're just you know out there getting their reps in it'll be really interesting i think now that we've talked about everything you know and it's been hinted at a couple times what do you think this means for us as a club like i've already gone out and said that we're winning a hardware at this point but what 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 does this tell you that we what what have we done to ourselves by these signings and by by this this just kind of strategy that Rhode Island FC is is unveiling to the world? Uh, set ourselves up for heartbreak when we're fourth place and we lose in the final and we're one point off the supporter shield and we uh, miss the treble, but we're in all the finals. And we're almost there. That that's your <laughs> that's your call. That would actually be a really good season as much as like you know we would be bummed about not winning anything if we made it to the the u.s open cup final we made it to the usl final and then we're like just short of the uh supporter shield so we're lafc basically (laughs) uh did they do that in their first season well not in their first season but they did that i think this year i think they showed up as the final for champions cup final for uh mls cup and then well yeah that was it but but like i i don't i don't know and and i'm so glad you said that though because all jokes aside i don't know if fans will see that that way i think the i think the more mature fans i think the people who realize what this means can say and can acknowledge that yeah if we made it to the finals of each of those events like that's a tremendous season but then now because we've signed these types of players because we've done these things is it that we have to win everything? Like, I think that will be the question we have to continuously put under a magnifying glass for the entirety of the season is what will be enough because of the steps that this club has taken to cement to cement a very early legacy within the league. Yeah, and like I alluded to earlier, all these pieces look great on paper, but until we actually see the actual product on field, we're we're not sure we're we're coming up with crazy lineups in our head and imagining the you know 10 plus goals we're going to score in every game but you know reality can be very different i I don't think we're a paper tiger at all i think i think that you're right that we may see some players shine more brilliantly than others that have been signed because like we mentioned earlier with chico if if two people have to stack against him to defend him does that open up the scoring sheets for Doyle to go on a tear, right? Or is Connor McGlynn scoring bangers from, you know, halfway? I, I don't I don't know for sure on those pieces, but I, I can tell you that I don't think this is a paper tiger situation. And and more interesting, like you alluded to a second ago, because of the circumstances behind things like the Open Cup right now, it still hasn't been confirmed what MLS's um participation will look like, which is really scary considering 
the seasons start for all clubs very soon. Like if we if anyone was ever going to win a treble in the USL, this is the time to do it, right? Because the supporter <laughs> shield and then like the cup championship, that's that's a possibility. But to throw the open cup in there as we're technically as of right now the most senior team in that that competition, like holy cow that's never been i don't think anyone's ever dreamed about that and it's potentially a reality now (laughs) potentially but you know probably not don't 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 ruin my dreams here let me dream for one episode (laughs) let me dream (gasps) just trying to keep you on the ground bro (laughs) but that's the thing i don't want to be on the ground I, i and like i agree with you like i said if we took second in the moment, I'd be angry. I'd be so frustrated. I'd be so devastated because I want to see. I want to see them win. I want to. I want them to feel the the sensation of winning the cup. I want. I want to be that. It'd be a great cap to to kind of just just cornerstone all of the the success that's happened for us for the club. I think in the month to come, I could step back from that raw moment and go, yeah, second place is really great for the first year, but. I, I would want to win it at that point. I don't want to have that 30 day review and analytical mindset of, well, yeah, it was, it was good. So I, that's kind of what's happening internally for me is that I want this now to be, I was, I was cool up until Chico signing. I was okay with us just getting one home playoff game. That was, that was my benchmark. That was what I was telling myself quietly. I wasn't going to say it in the podcast, but now with this signing, it's like, we have to win something, whether it's the cup, the shield, or or the other cup we i want hardware first year and and i think a lot of fans are going to be set up to expect that especially if they start watching really exciting games as we open up the season i mean you know i i am there with you too i just like to to keep things more realistic you know similar to how you said before chico signing not that i'm not um didn't have high hopes for the team but i was like this is a pretty good team i think you know We'll, we'll be somewhere in the playoffs. But now with him added to the roster, you have to think this is going to be like top end of the table club. Even if we don't win anything, you know, they're going to be there towards the end of the season. I I don't disagree. I, I, I just know that soccer can be a cruel, cruel world and sometimes it can be the best thing ever. So I will have to wait and see. I don't know what will be in store, but I know that I will have a blast up until the second I'm not having a blast uh, covering this club with you in, in, in the year to come. So I'm I'm excited for it. What do we got going on this week for the club besides media day? All right. So let's wrap it up here. Let's talk about some events. This weekend, RFC will be at the RV Boat Show at the Convention Center where I will be picking up a boat do so even, I don't do have to go over the what, bridge anymore. <laughs> do you even know what kind of boat you would get? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> a boat boat? A boat type boat. <laughs> Maybe with boating capabilities. You know, get a dinghy. Get really... There you go. Get really swole, bro. Just an inflate. Just, work out just those, get a rowboat. Just work row out those your guns. way across the bay. Gonna, I'm going to be so buff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Saturday, January 27th, RFC will also be at the RI Brewfest at the Waterfire Arts Center. Should we just say goodbye to dry January at this point? <laughs> I mean, I'm still holding strong. Uh, I, I never started that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too good. Uh, how about any questions we have? All right. We got one question this week here from uh, Robert. He says he enjoys the episodes. Thank you. 
Um, but he wants to know what will the parking situation be at the games for attendees who don't have a season ticket parking pass? You can't come, Robert. Sorry. You just have to give your season tickets to me and you just can't come to the games. You're going to have to park upstream and then uh, ride a, take the boat the rest of the way. No, that's a tidewater. There's no river. Brian is landlocked when it comes to riverfronts. How dare they? Um, (laughs) So we have talked about this, but we don't have any confirmation on it. Um, There's potentially some additional lots that will be opened up and maybe a shuttle type situation. We We just don't know at the moment right now. Being a college campus, parking is limited. So the club still, as far as I know, kind of like they may have it already worked out they just haven't told us but i assume they're they're probably still finalizing some parts of the deal yeah so we we have an interview lined up with paul burn the the stadium operations uh manager and we'll we'll be talking with him in a few weeks on all things that listeners and fans can expect to see and how to participate uh at the club when it comes to game day events and game day experiences so we'll definitely make sure that things like parking uh transportation um how the ticket system will work because i saw a really interesting question in um i think in the discord where they were saying hey like i i if i go day of will i be purchasing a paper ticket or is it all a digital experience and someone was like i really want paper tickets still so uh, we'll we'll find out more about that in the, the expect a really good interview with with Paul Byrne uh, in the near future, as well as some other front office staff members. So uh, that'll be really exciting. And then, of course, we'll if we can get any sound bites this week uh, at the at the media event, we'll make sure that we also kind of secure that. But I imagine that'll be more player focused than than staff at that point. Yeah. So that's where we're at with those situations. Expect more interviews to come. And we're just really excited to kind of continue to marshal forward to that that opening game day against New Mexico United. I will say, actually, uh, to end, a super listener from New Mexico United, Kevin, was really gracious and had tried to send us a, a package. But I, I don't know if it's because he used the podcast name or if he used our names or if we continue to have USPS challenges, but they straight outright just rejected it and sent it back to him. So... We're going to have to work through. Maybe we're just cursed when it comes to postal postal service. I don't know. We, we, we got to figure that out. Hartford Athletic cursing us again. <laughs> so, um, but really excited to see what's coming uh, down the stretch for that New Mexico United game. Yep. Looking forward to it. Uh, if you want to catch us on Twitter, threads, and TikTok, look for the handle at RAFC Podcast. We've got an Instagram at Raising Anchor. And there is a website, www.raisinganchorpodcast.com. Anchors up. Anchors up, buddy.